Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Dave, Treg, and our special guest Brent. Brent joins us from the Rocktail Hour Rock Club. Now, for those of you who haven't figured that out yet, uh, on our website we have posted a blog entry about a rock club that we have set up. It's like a book club, except we get together and we talk about rock. Everybody brings a song to share with uh, with everybody else, and then we get to talk about it. It's good fun. I got um, turned on to Royal Blood by you, Treg. It's great stuff. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. So we, we highly recommend to all of the Rocktail Hour listeners to set up your own rock club and let us know how it goes. Well, we're three old guys, and we're a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is an affiliate of Amazon.com. When you shop on Amazon, it would be cool if you would first click on the Amazon.com link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or affiliates page. And Amazon will kick a few bucks back to Rocktail Hour to help us fund the free podcast. One Amazon product that Rocktail Hour listeners might enjoy is uh, a shameless plug for my own legal thriller that I recently had published. It's called Until Murder Do Us Part. And it's a legal thriller about a, a guy who claims that he killed his wife in his sleep. If I can jump in, Treg, this is Brent. I recently flew to Austin by way of Salt Lake. I had four hours to kill. I read it from front to back. It was a fantastic read. And I got in at 3 o'clock in Austin, and I stayed up till 4 to finish the last 18 pages. But great read, and I'd recommend it to everybody. It's exciting from from the first couple pages. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Mm -hmm. Don't give away the ending. I won't. (laughs) Well, today Dave is going to bring us the story behind I'll Stick Around by the Foo Fighters. Thanks, Treg. I want to shout out a special thanks to Hunter, who is a Rocktail Hour listener, and he recommended that we do this Foo Fighters song. And the Foo Fighters are a phenomenal band. They're, um, you know, not super current, but they're a modern existing band, and we need to treat more of those, I think, on Rocktail because there's a lot of great current bands out there putting out some wonderful music. Foo Fighters are one of them, so thank you, Hunter. And um, let's talk about Dave Grohl, who was the founder of the Foo Fighters first. And he's a super interesting cat and big talent, immensely talented. Uh, So he was the founder of the band. He formed it almost kind of immediately after Kurt Cobain's death in the spring of 94. Um, I'm hoping I don't have to, like, explain who Kurt Cobain is on the Rocktail Hour, (laughs) right? Um, If I do, then just stop listening because you don't belong on this podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, All right. So anyway, Dave Grohl, it's interesting. He had been playing guitar and writing songs while he was in Nirvana. He had a catalog of about 40 songs that he had written. But he was so intimidated by the greatness of Cobain's songwriting that he kept them stuffed in a box. He never shared them with anybody. Wow. So the quote-unquote from Grohl is he says, I was, quote, he says, quote, I was in awe of his songs. So as soon as Cobain died, he is dealing with a massive sense of loss. Um, His whole world, obviously, has been turned upside down. Um, And by the way, it's not like on the level of President Kennedy getting shot, I don't think, but I totally remember where I was when I found out that Kurt Cobain had killed himself. And for me, he was like right in my generation. He was a couple years older than I was or a few years. And um, he was thought of as kind of the voice of a generation. And the thing that struck me about it is one, I was a Nirvana fan, but I'm like, wow, the voice of Generation X just put a gun in his head and blew his brains out. Yeah, And that to me was just so... 
um, I guess, demoralizing and kind of indicative of some parts of that generation, I think. And so anyway, it just kind of hit home to me, and I totally remember where I was, and it just smacked me. Um, did you guys have a reaction to that? To be honest, I wasn't as big into Nirvana as I've, I've become. And there's actually a documentary right now. I want to say it's on HBO. It's something heck. has heck in the title. And I watched that the other night, and it's fascinating because it has a lot of footage of them traveling and touring. And it kind of... It doesn't dwell Nirvana. on Nirvana, right, right? And it doesn't dwell on his death at all. Uh, but it shows uh, Courtney Love coming into the picture, and it really talks about them touring and how disenchanted he became. And it, and it shows a lot of his poetry and and even in interviews, they became so big so fast. But he, he almost like he hated the fame, and and it mm-hmm. was really sad because here he was, like you said, everyone's thrusting voice of the generation on him. And that was a lot of pressure, and I think he, that that just kind of messed with his head. And he despised that moniker, right? And people thrust it on him, mm-hmm. and it was tough for him. Interesting. So we got I got to look up that biography and or that documentary. documentary or, sorry, I, I want to believe it. I want to say it's, it's very current right now. It's out on HBO. I just saw it about a week ago. Yeah, we're going to get into Courtney Love on this because she is almost like the Yoko Ono of Nirvana <laughs> in some senses, and we'll talk about her. And she's very relevant to this song, actually. So let's talk about uh, the Foo Fighters just in general. Um, Originally, Foo Fighters, it's a self-titled debut album, and it was originally just a solo album with Dave Grohl recording all of the instruments. I mean, that's how immensely talented this guy was. He obviously was really, in terms of rock drummers, he was like an eight or a nine or maybe even a 10, if you want to be real generous, but he was a phenomenal rock drummer. I thought he was great in Nirvana. Um, but he would bring a guitar with him on tour with Nirvana, and that's when he was doing a lot of his songwriting by himself. So he's completely self-taught on drums, completely self-taught on bass and guitar. Wow. And so he recorded all this stuff, and then singing for him, and I empathize with this, being a guitar player myself, singing for me has always been and always will be an, a necessary adjunct to guitar playing. And that's how he thought of it. Like when he recorded this album, he said, I'd lay all the instrument tracks, and then I would go into the studio and I would quote, try to sing right and so he was not much of a singer we're going to talk about that and what he's that not means. bad oh i think he's i think he's great i mean me for personally, a rock voice he's, he's great for a rock voice yes right and rock voice i don't want to see dave Grohl or anyone like him up there with the three tenors <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i the, a rock voice is conveying emotions whether it's anger or aggression or love or whatever a rock voice is just about conveying emotions and hitting people in the heart and Neil Young can do that. Bob Dylan can do that. Dave Grohl can do that. Anyone can do that, really. I mean, if you can, I had a vocal coach once tell me if you can dance, or sorry, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing, right? That doesn't apply to me, but <laughs> <laughs> he would argue with you. Um, so anyway, uh, Cobain, he committed suicide on April 8th, 1994. And Immediately after that, Grohl, because of his prowess on the drums, he had gotten offers to play in a number of bands, and he almost accepted an offer from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, that'd be cool. Right? And he was on the verge of going that route. But then he went his own way, and this is his quote. He said, I was supposed to join just another band and be a drummer the rest of my life. I thought that I would rather do what no one expected me to do. I enjoy writing music, and I enjoy trying to sing. And there's nothing anyone can really do to discourage me, end quote. So right then was the birth of the Foo Fighters. But the Foo Fighters, it was literally just Grohl, no one else. Um, As I said, he had written 40 songs. It took him only five days to take all those songs and record an album's worth of material. And then he started just circulating it to his buddies. 
So it almost kind of shows you that the way I view Grohl is that he was like this phenomenal drummer that was just a powerhouse of music, talent, and ability all bottled up sitting behind the drums. But then he was overshadowed by this massive talent that was Kurt Cobain. And so he just stayed there in his kind of little drum world. Well, as soon as Kurt Cobain died, it just unleashed this explosion of musical talent. I mean, he, he's raw, he's real, he's amazing. He was a George Harrison of drummers. You know, when, <laughs> after the Beatles broke up, George Harrison was the first to come out and do a you know three album uh, set. And because and one reason the Beatles broke up was because Harrison was always shoved to the corner to do one or two cuts per per album. So I, I think the comparable is Dave Grohl had all this stuff just ready to, to hit the world. And, and once you know the, the huge difference, obviously, is the Beatles broke up for various reasons. You mentioned Yoko Ono, but um, unfortunately, it was a death here that kind of spurred him to greatness. But wow, thats I never heard about the Tom Petty thing. That would have been to- a totally different direction for him. Absolutely, and I agree. It, can you imagine like looking Tom Petty in the face and saying, eh, no, I don't want to be a part of your band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he had that much confidence in what he wanted to do, or at least and that much desire to just kind of say, hey, I'm my own guy. And look what came of it. You know, we have, I think, eight now albums or maybe going on nine with Sonic Highways, which just came out. Um, But going back to the original album, it was released under the name Foo Fighters. And he wanted to do that to keep his anonymity. He didn't want to call it the Dave Grohl Band. Um, So he put a name on the band, the Foo Fighters, which was originally kind of just a joke. He just did it to throw a name out there just to have something on it. Um, but the Foo Fighters, what it's a, what it is, it's a term that was used by World War II fighter pilots to describe mysterious UFOs, not necessarily extraterrestrial ones, but strange phenomena that they would see in the night skies as they were flying oh, over Europe. Right, and so they'd call them those things, like whether it was you know light shining through ice crystals in the sky, or whether it was the Northern Lights, or whatever it was, not probably no Northern Lights, but whatever they were seeing, they would call those things Foo Fighters. And so Grohl cool. named his band the Foo Fighters. He always thought it was kind of like a silly sounding name. Yeah, yeah. But what happened is he released this album under the name the Foo Fighters, and it just took fire and spread like crazy. And everyone came to know them as the Foo Fighters, so he kept it going. So what he did is he licensed the album to Capitol Records, and he formed a band after he had released the album to support the band to support the album. And then they went touring. And by Are the way, serious? on that note, I had no idea. Yeah. The, the album was just him. Go listen to the album. And then they hired the band. Yep. Wow. It shows you his level of talent. And if you listen closely to the whole album, you can tell. I mean, it's the, the production quality. This is what's so rad about it, too. The production quality is not some, you know, $50,000 an hour studio in Hollywood with, you know, guest musicians and studio guys. It's Dave Grohl sitting there with a mic and, a, and his drum set and his guitars <laughs> and his voice. It's rad. Sounds like Tom Schultz. Yeah. Right? Who, yeah. who recorded the Boston album mm-hmm. in his basement with equipment that he created himself. You know, he was an engineer, story. wasn't he? Yeah. And he yeah. like created he, he couldn't get his the guitar sound he wanted out of the standard pedals of the time, so yeah. he made up his own. He created right? it, yeah. Yeah. Some really interesting people. Yeah. Um super innovative. Um so anyway, they the they released the self titled debut album in july of 95 and they have since gone on to record a ton of albums after that as i mentioned i have one major regret in life though i played in a band back in at this same time actually in the kind of early 90s and dave approached you about being in his band yeah yeah and i said are you kidding me dude i'm gonna go try and be the guitar player for tom petty and then tom petty turned me down no um i had the manager of my band actually hit me up one night and says hey i got 
tickets at the coach house to go see Dave Grohl's new band. They're called the Foo Fighters. Wow. And I wow. remember I had plans that night already. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I mean, I, I, I was a Nirvana fan, obviously, but I was like, the Foo Fighters? That sounds like such kind of a hokey name. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to switch around my plans. Wow. I could have seen them on their inaugural tour, which now in retrospect totally bums me out. <laughs> you deserve this here, Dave. Yeah. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Dave Grohl um, smacking me across the face in retrospect. Wow. Uh, so anyway, Dave Grohl, as I mentioned before, he's like a genuine rock and roll guy. And he's got an attitude and he's got language to match. Have you guys ever heard him interviewed? Oh, yes. Yes. He's not a lot t- of bleeps. He's not TV friendly mm-hmm. <laughs> in any way, shape or form. He's HBO friendly. He's yes. not he's not broadcast TV friendly. Um, but I love hearing him interviewed, um, not for that reason, but because he's very outspoken. He has very uh, strong opinions about what modern music is and where it's going. And I agree literally 99.9% with him. So here is one. Let's kick off a little discussion. I want to see if you guys would agree with this or disagree with it. Or if you're somewhere in between, let me know what you think. Um, these are Dave Grohl's views on American Idol. And I came across this quote a long time ago when I was arguing with a friend over American Idol and what it means to modern music and what I think about it. Um, and I have very pointed opinions about American Idol, but I won't digress. I'll just let Dave Grohl do the talking for me. So this is what Grohl said. He said, quote, when I think about kids watching a TV show like American Idol or The Voice, then they think, oh, okay, that's how you become a musician. You stand in line for eight hours with 800 people at a convention center, and then you sing your heart out for someone, and then they tell you it's not good enough. Can you imagine, he implores? It's destroying the next generation of musicians. Musicians should go to a yard sale and buy an old drum set and get in their garage and just suck. (laughs) And then get their friends to come in and they'll suck too. And then they'll start playing and they'll have the best time they've ever had in their lives. And then all of a sudden they'll become Nirvana. Because that's exactly what happened with Nirvana. Just a bunch of guys that had some crappy old instruments and they got together and started playing some noisy crap. And then they became the biggest band in the world. That can happen again. You don't need a computer or the internet or the voice or American Idol. Close quote. And by the way, I actually edited that quote. <laughs> yeah. And there was literally 10 F-bombs, <laughs> SH-bombs, you name it. I was, was thinking crap, language. crap was not a word. No, it was Probably not. in his vocabulary. Yeah, so. That's brilliant, though. Agree, disagree, or where do you guys come in on the American Idol thing? Or the new, not American Idol in particular, but the American Idol, The Voice, whatever. All these yeah. new because American Idol's day. done now, aren't they? I, oh, I right thought now. I heard that they're they're they've had their run. finishing. Yeah, I, I think that stuff has a place. I, I think it's broken some some talent, but I, I love the fact you know I've been in garage bands too, and the thing that I think what he's alluding to is a musician. When you get other musicians, it's a lot like sports, where a quarterback comes to the line and he looks over his wide receiver, and they just have this mental telepathy. I know what route you're going to run. I know what pass I'm going to throw. There's nothing that's been more exciting and invigorating for me as a musician. When you just look at a musician and you know where they're going to go. And it's, you know, it's jazz, it's blues, it's rock. You just know, hey, you're taking the lead here. I'm going to do this. Or, and and it's, it, it comes with hours and hours of practice. You know, what did they say? It takes 10,000 hours to perfect, you know, a skill. Well, if you're in a band for a long time, it builds that cohesiveness and that synergy that you can't get. And, and yeah, you, you suck at first, but over time... You just build that that teamwork, and that's what's exciting. When, and you know, I, I had an opportunity growing up. I I was with my uh, McCartney, and I was Lennon, 
and we just got to that where we knew the, where the other was going. And it was, it's just, it's That's a cool. fantastic experience being a musician when you can work with somebody else. See, and the thing is, you can't replicate that, in my opinion, when you have kind of these music corporate overlords that are putting the chess pieces on the table for you. Hmm. Right. And that's what drives me absolutely nuts about whatever your boy bands or whatever, you know, One Direction, all this stuff. You have guys sitting in suits and offices putting bands together and that synergy that comes together. You can't you can't manufacture. And if you try to manufacture, it's going to come out fake. And it comes out fake to me, in my opinion. I haven't seen it manufactured. I can't think of an example where I've seen it manufactured successfully. Look at if you if a, a Dave Grohl went on to American Idol today, or a Bob Dylan, or a Neil Young, or even a John Lennon, or somebody like that. They, Billy Joel, yeah. Elton John, mm-hmm. I mean, James Taylor, run down the entire list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the difference between an individual talent, I think, versus a lot of bands, is bands get that, that chemistry, and, and that's mm-hmm. magical. And we're, you, know, you have to live to experience it, and you have to go through, and you have to put in your hours. And, and when you do, it can become magical, but... Yeah, all these things you're talking about, they're, they're individual one-offs, and, and that's where the band is kind of falling, falling to the side. Yeah, and we've talked about this on Rocktail Hour before, but one of the things that I always talk about, and it's, it's like a it's – a not a concentric circle. It's, a, it's like a Venn diagram type circle. You're an artist or you're an entertainer, and obviously you're a little bit of both. But American Idol puts out a lot of great entertainers. I don't think any of those people, in my opinion, are true artists. Uh, maybe, maybe some a few, of them kind yeah. of crossover. I don't. Know, I don't want to tattoo all of them. But you like know, Chris Daughtry, Daughtry early on. I was going to yeah. say Daughtry yeah. is like he's probably represents to me because I'm a rock guy. The best thing that I think has come out of American Idol, Agreed. although I can appreciate Carrie Underwood for her talent and things like that, and Kelly Clarkson. But um, but even Daughtry, I had my brother-in-law say, "Man, you got to get the Daughtry album." His first one that came out after American Idol. And he's like, "It's a good rock album." And so I got it, and I listened to it, and I was like, yeah, that's a good rock album. But to your point, Brent, the thing that I got out of that is, like, the whole thing felt just way too perfectly done. Hmm. It was it was so produced. Everything was in its place. And I just didn't – I missed the imperfection of a, just a garage band syncing up with each other and playing real music. Yep. And even – so even with Daughtry, I was missing something. So that's when I kind of said, you know what – I struggle with this American Idol thing. So I'll leave you with one other quote from Girl on American Idol. This is a short one, but he said, quote, because you have things like American Idol and you've got radio stations that play music made entirely by computers, it's easy to forget that there are bands with actual people playing actual instruments that rock, unquote. Um, And that reminded me of a a Wall Street Journal article I read by, um, it was an interview with Quincy Jones a decade ago or so. And they asked him about the state of modern music where you have a lot of people utilizing modern technology to create music. And he said, well, part of the problem is you have a lot of people who probably should have been plumbers or electricians or lawyers or accountants. And they're now musicians because now you press a button and everybody's voice is exactly in key. You press another button and all the drums sync up perfectly in time. You can digitally replicate music. But for me, you can't. You can't replicate digitally or with a computer or with a corporate overlord or whatever. You can't replicate real music. Okay, so let's talk about the song I'll Stick Around. And this is the second song on the self-titled debut album. And um, it's a fast-driving song, and it starts with snare drums kind of punching you in the face, and then a heavy, catchy power chord guitar riff comes in on top of it along with the bass. And for years after the song was written and when it came out, fans were speculating 
um, and the rock press was speculating that the antagonistic lyrics of this song were all pointed at Courtney Love, right? Who we mentioned is kind of like the, in some ways, could be the Yoko Ono of Nirvana. And it was, and they thought that this was the song and the lyrics were kind of retribution for the role that Grohl believed Courtney Love played in the demise of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Right. And so there's, you know, so there's the screaming chorus of I don't owe you anything. Um, They thought that was directed at Kurt Cobain saying, hey, I don't owe you anything for what you did to me. But he actually denied that. And so that's not what it's about. Um, And then for 15 years, people asked him about this song in particular, wanting to know if it was about Courtney or Kurt or whatever. And he would vehemently deny it until in 2009 which is kind of an interesting thing. In 2009, he was getting interviewed by his biographer, and he said this, quote, I don't think it's any secret that I'll stick around is about Courtney. I've denied <laughs> Liar. <laughs> yes. He goes, I've denied it for 15 years, but I'm finally coming out and saying it. Just read that blanking words. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so there's, there's more of his true rock um, attitude coming out in the song. Um, so let's cut, let's look at a couple of the lyrics that I think are worth highlighting. The most the most scathing and for me one of the coolest lyrics in the song is I think it's on the second uh, it's the second stanza of the song when he says, "How could it be I'm the only one who sees your rehearsed insanity?" And what he was implying there, I think, and I think this has been corroborated by other interviews that he's given, is that if you followed Courtney Love post Nirvana. She was all over, trying to be all over mainstream media and the, the popular music press. She had her band Hole. She was in movies. She was in movies. And she had like an image that she was creating. And she was this drugged out, she filthy mess. Yeah. mess. And that was like her thing. Like that's <laughs> yeah. her stick. Her stick, sorry. Um, and so what he was saying is what, what uh, Grohl was saying in the song is like, hey, this whole thing you're doing is like this little – Courtney Love, I'm a mess, drug addict filled thing, was is a contrived thing to further your career. Mm. And so this song was a, a dig at her, saying, "Wow, be real, who are you?" Yeah, right. Um, uh, so another one, it says, another quote, it says, "So again, think of Kurt. He's or sorry, think of um, Dave talking to Courtney." Another lyric: "I've been around all the pawns you've gagged and bound. They'll come back and knock you down, and I'll be free." I've taken all and I've endured. One day it will all fade, I'm sure. I'll stick around and learn from all that came from it. So he's kind of saying, you're not the real deal. Stop all this crap. You ruined my best friend, Kurt. You ruined Nirvana. I don't know if he was saying that, but that's how you, one way you could interpret it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I'm the real thing. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to be here when you're not around. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. proved pro- prophetic. Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, I read just uh, it was probably last year, maybe a year and a half ago, a review in the Orange County Register about um, a two day concert or like a two night concert that uh, Foo Fighters did at Irvine Meadows or Verizon Amphitheater. And it was, you know, three newspaper columns long, just praising them as like one of the greatest live rock bands that they've seen. I mean, they put on a great show. I need to go see them, and I haven't seen them. Even I haven't, I haven't atoned for I my coach yeah. house mess up in '95. <laughs> like, ah! So one day I will. But um, I know that they're a great live band, and he's just a phenomenal talent. So a um, couple last comments on the song. Grohl said, 
quote, it's just a very negative song about feeling you were violated or deprived, end quote. And so, again, he, I think, places some blame on Courtney for, for Kurt's death, and it's coming out in this song. Um, I think the song was kind of one of his creative outlets that he used to make sense of Kurt of Kurt's death. And really, the whole album is some something of a coming out for him and a way that he was dealing with just a flood of emotions after uh, Kurt committed suicide. Um, so final comment from Grohl. This was kind of interesting, and it shows you how insecure he initially was about his material that he had written vis-a-vis what he saw in Kurt Cobain, I think. He says, quote, I actually had an anxiety attack because when I heard this song, I finally realized it was actually good, whereas everything else I had recorded over the previous six years I thought was crap. <laughs> And again, I don't think crap was probably the word he used. No. (laughs) I have some stuff I could show you that I've done that I would say is genuinely crap. (laughs) Dave Grohl does not put out crap, I would bet. No, I meant he didn't say crap. Oh. Probably not what he was saying. You're right, and that was an edited quote. I've edited this whole podcast in some ways. Uh, So anyway, Dave is just a phenomenal talent. Like I said, he's got that new album called Sonic Highways, which I don't know if you guys know about that. Yeah, it's great. But he recorded a song with local musicians, one song in every city across eight different cities in the U.S., and the song is supposed to represent represent the flavor and the history of that city. Um, So he's just a really interesting guy, phenomenal band. And by the way, last thing, go on YouTube and watch them induct Rush into the Hall of Fame. They get the Foo Fighters get dressed up like classic 1974 Rush, and they play <laughs> nice. 2112. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. You can tell they are loving playing Rush, and they Very do it. Cool. They they nail it as well. Very One thing cool. I love about Dave Grohl is he's he's got a great sense of humor he's very funny and he he doesn't take himself too seriously yep but i think also he's kind of become a statesman for for rock and music i mean like you talked about that tour where he went across the country he and you know the surviving members of nirvana recorded with paul mccartney i think they were up for a grammy on that um he's just doing a lot of cool things where he's reaching out to to other musicians and i think he's very well respected in the music industry not just because of his nirvana history or even what he's doing now but i think he's just doing some great projects and music that's drawing a lot of people together mm-hmm. have, have you guys listened to them crooked vultures yes i yeah. got the album great stuff yeah great stuff with dave girl back on drums john paul jones on bass yes what a dream that was for girl to look yeah. across on stage right and see john paul jones sitting there unbelievable and josh Frome from the uh, queens of the stone age on vocals too it's great great album i have a question and being serious about this where are he and courtney love now because i know that it was very acrimonious for a while i thought i rec- re- recollected they'd kind of patched it up a little bit recently i've do you have any insights into that? You know what? In all my research, I didn't. I got so engrossed in the turmoil that I didn't actually <laughs> go. I wasn't interested enough to see if it got resolved because I kind of liked the turmoil as it was. So I don't know. That's something we'd have to take a look at, maybe talk at another podcast if we treat a Nirvana song again. Great stuff, Dave. That's fantastic. Um, once again, we would uh, commend the Rocktail Hour listeners to set up their own rock club and talk about some of these stories yourselves and Share the the music that you're discovering, and then let us know too. Tell us about it on uh, on the Rocktail Hour on the Rocktail Hour website, or on our Facebook page, or on our Facebook page. Exactly, yep. much better. Well, you can listen to a clip from the song on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the Rocktail Hour website. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour dot com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, please keep that to yourselves. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on.